Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, highlighting the latest construction technology and trends to drive your business forward. Coming up in March of 2020, ConExpo ConAg is North America's largest construction trade show. We bring you expert advice from your favorite brands, startups, and industry peers. And for even more news, sign up for our weekly 365 e-newsletter at conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. We've got another great guest on the show today, so let's dig in. Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm your host, Peggy Smedley. Today we're going to be talking all about machine control, specifically dozers. We have uh, heard a lot about it time and time again. Machine control can provide greater efficiency and safety. The technology continues to advance, and there is pretty significant growth predicted in the market. Market Research Future predicts the segment will grow to $8 billion by 2023, which is a 14% growth rate per year. So today on the podcast, we're going to provide practical strategies for how to choose the right machine control, and if it is best to go all in early on or take more of an entry-level approach. So we're going to be looking at this, and today we have two great guests joining us to tackle just about everything you can think of on machine control and dozers. Please welcome Richie Snyder, Solutions Marketing Manager at Case Construction Equipment, and Max Weinmiller, Director of Case's Road Building and Site Prep Division. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks for having us. So let's start. Richie, I'm going to throw the first question out to you because we've been talking a little bit before the show. How does a customer actually choose? Now, this is a great question. The right machine control for their needs because it's never really easy and sometimes it gets a little tricky overall. Absolutely. Um, it really depends on their application. Uh, various machine control systems are used to perform various tasks. Uh, so depending on what they're going to do, how they're going to utilize their machine control, that's where we're going to depict uh, the right the right system. Uh, for instance, if a, a customer or a operator is just doing something very simple, just building a flat pad, uh, maybe a 1D system. They just need, need to make something flat. If they're going into something more complex, uh, per, perhaps taking a basement or a swimming pool, maybe a 2D solution where they can actually have a slope. Uh, if they're going even more advanced or, or they're growing... Um, Building possibly a road or something with a with a radius, a curve on it. We can't bend a light, so then they would step up to that 3D, more complex system uh, using GPS system or a robotic total station. So when they're looking at this at the time, it's for that given project. Is how a contractor needs to really be thinking about the task at hand for that specific project. Is what you're specifically kind of saying right there, right, Richie? That is, but it's also scalable. So if a contractor is is looking at something um, uh, just just as something very simple, uh, they can start with one solution and grow uh, as their business changes. So they really, I mean, the idea then is, and, and I'll, I'll ask Max a question in a second, but I guess I'm trying to wonder if, you know, should they be going all in on these investments? Should they be holding some things back? Because the market changes very rapidly. As we know in construction, margins are thin. So it's kind of nerve wracking, I think, for them to kind of go, what should I be doing? Should I be looking at more advanced systems? Should I be looking at entry level? Because they don't really know all the projects they're going to have. Yet it's sometimes they're trying to figure out one minute I have this project, but the next minute I have another project. And you just described various projects, and sometimes it gets a little tricky knowing all the projects they're going to have all the time. 
Absolutely. Well, that's the the benefit and the value with cases site control offering. It's completely scalable. So if they are uh, looking at growing their business, uh, they can start out with that that value system, that 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 lower end piece, and and then grow as as they go. So if they are starting out with something very very simple, uh, building flat pads, uh, they could they could do something like our, our co-pilot system on, on a dozer, which is is designed to do just that entry level flat pad work. Um, and then as they grow, as they start doing more and more, then they, that system is scalable, so they can just add more product to it rather than removing pieces. It's just going to add additional sensors, additional control systems, so that uh, as they grow, they're, they're not reinvesting in, in a product they've already purchased uh, from the beginning. Uh, as, as I mentioned, our co-pilot, that, that is a, a free co-pilot with any uh, new case dozer that's uh, purchased from us, uh, they get that offering already, and then as they grow to more complex work, they can add systems to it. They can just add uh, the additional technologies to make it a 2D system or a 3D. So, so we, we kind of take that worry, that, that guessing out of it, uh, being so scalable. And that's an important thing, right, Max? I think what it is when you want to get the most value out of a machine, is that not what we look for? I think those are the things that you're thinking about with your businesses, how do you encourage your customers, your operators, your owners to maximize the machine's value? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When we talk about uh, machine value, it's nice to sell these systems. It's good to see when they are adapted properly and they start making money and the return on investment goes up quite rapidly for the customer. But we ha- you know, we very much tread lightly and we want to make sure that we don't uh, have them invest too heavily, too high of a system for what their business can take. Uh, you know, there are some owners and operators out there that do, they start out with mainly trench work. Um, and with trench work, they're going to definitely reduce their machine hours, reduce their maintenance, that type of stuff, if they start out with the right system. But a 2D or 3D system may be too much for them to start with. Uh, they may want to start out with that co-pilot system like Richie had talked about. Plus, your initial investment is so much less with something like that versus a, a 3D system with a universal base station, all the other uh, items that come along with those types of systems. Uh, there are definitely owners and operators that can use those systems to their advantage. But, uh, you know, we typically recommend start slow Get some knowledge within your workforce. Get them owning and, and understanding the metrics that come from the, the equipment and how they can utilize it. And once you start to build some knowledge and, and build some momentum, that's where we start to uh, help customers invest at an even higher level. So we've got you know business cases of, of folks who have invested at uh, pretty much any level, whether it's entry level or all the way up to full-on systems with site watch and site control and, and everything else that we offer. Um, but I think the best place to start is to talk to your dealer about your business size, what you're trying to accomplish, what you're afraid of uh, with the new technology, and they can employ us to help. They can have their local experts uh, help make some decisions. And I think that's a good place to start uh, to determine kind of how to uh, make that that move into some of the new technology. We see the return on investment on Dozer specifically, for instance, um, is quite significant. So we talk, you've probably read from me multiple times, 
I've made the quote, uh, you know, owning and operating costs, about 65% of that comes out of undercarriage. We can talk about the basics, uh, you know, having a shovel on the machine, uh, having the owners or the operators uh, uh, incentivized to clean the, the undercarriage, that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, some of these types of technologies, the co-pilot, you can reduce the amount of actual time on the undercarriage uh, moving overburden, um, overcutting, uh, overfilling, those types of things. And you can cut a lot of hours out of that undercarriage, which also reduces uh, your maintenance costs. So maintenance, owning and operating, efficiency scalable to the size of your business, um, those things all add a bunch of value uh, when you employ them properly at the right time uh, and at the right level for your business. One last thing that adds a lot of value for us um, that we've kind of got exclusive on now is the universal machine control. Uh, a lot of people don't always think about resale value. Um, if you're an expert or a professional in the industry and you've owned equipment for years, resale value is for sure top of mind. But for us as an OEM, we've concentrated on that on behalf of our dealers and customers and we employed a, a something that we call universal machine control. So now, when you, depending on whether you do 1D with your co-pilot or 2D or 3D GPS, whatever you do, if you have a universal machine control system from Case, when you go to sell that uh, on the used market, you're going to get more out of it because no longer do they have to pull a cab and pull wiring harnesses and all those types of things. They can set it up for Leica, Topcon, or Trimble uh, and have peace of mind that when they resell it, uh, the next person owning it won't have to pull everything out and redo it for whatever their system is. So there's a lot of different uh, ways to answer your question, but I think scalability is definitely something that we can help uh, owners and operators with. And then we've tried to concentrate on getting them the most out of the machine with their investments with the universal machine control. And when you think about that, getting the most out of it, sometimes that, that does help, and they talk to the dealer. But now we've seen this other trend occurring, like right now, of saying, do I want to rent instead of owning? Does that start rearing its head right now where people go, maybe I don't want to own. Am I better off starting to rent because my, my projects are changing? Does it become a, a different type of discussion right now? And, and I don't know if that's something that's starting to become a, a lot of attention coming up because people are seeing, mm-hmm. you know, apps are popping up and they say, you know, we, we see that the market is changing and, and because of that, our, our way of going to market is changing or should they really be owning these and, and, and renting might not be the right decision for them either? Is, is, is that a discussion that needs to come up? I don't know, Richie, is that something you want to address or, or Max? I'm, I'm not sure who might want to address this one. Well, I can add a comment on that just on the machine side. The, the big thing we see with rent, so rent is for sure, renting and leasing, we're seeing an uptick in that type of uh, machine acquisition based on site prep and construction work. The, the problem that some uh, owner-operators run into is the availability in an upmarket. Not only that, but uh, renting, you can actually pay quite a premium sometimes depending on the demand, the availability, that type of stuff. So depending on the market um, and the fluctuation, whether it's on an upturn or a downturn, we think that there's a lot of good things about renting, leasing, and owning, but it depends on what the timeline is. Uh, 
what your needs are, what kind of premium you're willing to spend in order not to have to make that full capital acquisition. You know, if you're at the peak of an upturn and availability is very low and premium is very high and you believe that you have enough to uh, enough work to keep your business fully burdened, even if you start to see that peak turn into a little bit of a downturn, uh, that might be a good time to buy um, as opposed to paying the premium and being without the equipment and losing out on the work. Uh, so there's probably different cycles where, you know, um, owners and operators have to kind of work that out. But I think another another point I would make is that dealers, uh, you know, we've done a lot of work with the case construction dealer network to allow them quite a few options where they can put them all out on the table and talk about the cycle of the construction industry and help the the owner-operator make the best decision, whether it's renting, leasing, or actually buying the equipment. But we've not seen any decrease in acquisition. Uh, in fact, as I would say, we've just seen a more diversification of both leasing, renting, and acquisition across the environment. So I'm not, I don't think we're, well, for sure we're not selling less, but I think there are more available rental and lease offers and opportunities out there. They just have to kind of weigh that out within their business and the cycle. So there's a lot when, it, it sounds like when you describe the market right now, we're, we're in an uptick. We talk about the next 12 months is still going to be pretty strong and we see a lot of growth opportunities. And so I guess Richie, this might be something, I guess, for you a little bit to add, because we talk about machine control a little bit is, is, is highly scalable solution. And I think when we talk about dozers and graders, they're getting a lot of attention right there with advanced precision technologies and things like this. I think there's a lot happening there. Right now, what, what do you think needs to happen for the industry itself? You know, when we're talking about compact equipment, do you think right now that contractors of all sizes are really going to find that they need to stay competitive? I mean, we've been talking a little bit about this right now. We've talked a lot about it, I think, in this segment. But do you think there's a lot of things that need to be done for contractors to think about still? I, mean, I guess it's a changing market still, and there's a lot of things to stay competitive, but do they need to really invest for long-term productivity of an operation like what we're saying? I guess I'm still trying to get my arms around what we need to be thinking about, especially when we have fleet managers. It seems like there's a lot of things to take into consideration here. Absolutely, there are. Um, I guess the the first things that I think about that that I would like to to express is to reiterate the scalability. So, if a contractor does want to uh, make a, a minimal investment on something that may be just an indicate type of a system that doesn't take over any hydraulic function, just alerts them when they're on grade, that's a very very minimal investment for them, and they can become more and more proficient. Uh, and then they can start growing and getting into more complex machine control offerings. It's not just for fine grading. They, there's solutions for excavate. Um, so they, they could go into that kind of a, a scenario where uh, they know the depth of their bucket without having someone down in that in that hole checking grade. Um, so that, that guy can now start doing, or, or girl, can start doing something else on the job site, um, make, making it more productive. Um, could also eliminate... The risk of knowing where my the height of my excavator arm or boom is with a predetermined height they can put inside they can dial in inside their machine control so they'll get an audible warning 
uh, maybe there's a, a garage door or, or a power line or uh, you know a canopy or something that they can't reach up beyond without damaging the equipment. So uh, there, there's so many different things to think about when not just the job site that they're doing today, but what they're going to be doing. Um, we're, we're seeing an up, uptick in, in landscapers uh, utilizing machine control to uh, to do their landscaping business. And in case we're, we're currently offering our first box blade that's pre-valved to use this type of system, this type of technology, uh, right on it, right right out of the box. So it, it really depends on on what their what their goal is today, and then what their goal is tomorrow. Because if they do have a surveyor, for instance, come out and and stake out the job site. Once those sticks are in the ground, that money is spent on the stick in the ground. They can't take it with them. With machine control, when they make that investment on their equipment, that goes with them from job site to job site. So the return on investment is great, uh, but we also need to look at the big picture. Can I, you know, when can I recoup that cost? And knowing that they can take it with them job after job after job, they, they can really talk with their dealership, with their dealer professional, and look at that, uh, Look at that as the their whole investment, just like a the machine cost. So, what piece of precision technology will have the biggest impact? I guess on construction, let's say in the next. I hate to say five years because it's changing so fast. I don't even think any of us have a crystal ball for this one. But is there <laughs> something that stands out in your mind? Let's say in the next couple of years. You know, I I think that really pops that you really feel strong about. Sure, you know, there's a couple things that pop out of me when I when I start thinking about the future, the next couple of years, what the what the contractor can utilize machine control for, and, and one of them is is developing a a newer operator. Uh, they'll they'll be able to uh, put someone with less experience in a machine, have the machine control engaged, and make that operator give them actual stick time and, and actually cutting to grade relatively quickly, uh, so so they can take advantage of everyone that's on the job site doing a function uh, that, that makes them more productive. The contractor, the operator, can, can also control the entire job cycle from, from capturing the raw data of the earth from the beginning to creating their own model to doing their site prep. They, they can also check their grade actually in the machine, so it will tell them how, how far they still need to dig to get to that final grade. So they're, they're going to be more productive, uh, which means less wear and tear on the machine more uh, fuel savings, you know, things like that, less downtime, which, which I think is, is key over the next several years to make an operator or contractor more profitable. You know, Richie, you raise an interesting point about what we have when we have younger operators and things like that. So that raises, in my mind, some hurdles. So, Max, do you think we still have some big challenges to overcome? I, I know we have an aging workforce, and we've talked about this a million times, that we have this younger generation, and we have to train them, but we know the benefits of what's inside the cab and how sophisticated some of these are. But are there some still hurdles and challenges the industry still has to overcome in the next five years that we really have to start facing? Oh yeah, I, I think that's probably the question that's on everybody's mind. Uh, how long will this last? I, I, you know, we've got a lot of people retiring who were uh, operators for many, many years. Not only do we have the new workforce coming in, but one thing that we're also hearing from companies that we speak with, customers uh, and dealers, is uh, 
not only are there a lot of new and young operators who really don't understand how to operate the equipment and make it the most efficient uh, way possible, but the turnover is higher. So you get somebody in, you spend time training them, and uh, pretty soon they're off to their next adventure in life. And and that is very painful once you've put all that time and money into training them. So we think that's going to continue, to be honest with you. We're seeing more and more of it. We're hearing more about it. We as an OEM are actually trying to get involved a little bit with some of the things we're doing with uh, some of the companies that we work with, you know, to help out with some of the training opportunities or lack of training uh, that's out there. So we're trying to help as much as possible, uh, but we definitely see that continuing. And and I think the thing that everybody's talking about, like I said, is is uh, the amount of young people. But I think it's not only the young and new people to the industry, but also the the difference in how long they stay with an employer. Uh, it's just a different mindset. One of the customers that we spoke with earlier this year about uh, how they had uh, planned to integrate machine control in their business, you know, they made it clear to us that uh, they took, you know, a 22-year-old young person, uh, put them in a piece of equipment uh, once they had machine control, and within an hour they were hitting grade. Um, I mean, that's that's the real-life uh, opportunity with some of this stuff to kind of avoid being impacted from what's going on in the industry. So, yeah, to answer your question, we see it impacting the industry for quite some time. Well, let me ask you this then. How should the industry then, I think, prepare for this change in the next 12, maybe 16 months? Should they be doing some things differently because you just described if, if you train someone, you give them all the tools, and then they job hop, they leave. That's an expensive endeavor. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. afford them to get up and leave. Are there some things they need to be doing? I mean, do they have to be giving more money up front? Do they have to be doing some assurances so these people don't get up? I mean, what does the industry overall need to do to keep these people well, there's a lot of talk about how to incentivize them to stay with the company. Um, that's probably a whole nother podcast, so I won't, <laughs> I won't go too deep. But uh, w- what I would say is if there's a way to make the equipment uh, the least amount sensitive to the training curve, um, that's where I would probably give my guidance. You know, we talked a minute ago about rental. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid of renting because machine control, oftentimes you have to purchase a system. We've tried to focus in on every avenue, which includes rental, on machine control, which is why we did the universal machine control. So you could rent a piece of equipment, buy the machine control system, and then utilize it uh, on that piece of equipment with the universal machine control. And then uh, when you're in between jobs or you have an operator away or whatever it may be and you're not actually renting anymore or you're in a downturn, whatever it may be, your only investment is actually the machine control system, which bolts right on and off of the case dozer, for instance. Uh, you know, on top of that, trying to uh, have a, a machine system set up that is insensitive to operator uh, turnover. And what I mean by that is uh, that 22-year-old, for instance, who got in the dozer within an hour uh, was hitting grade. Um, your investment in that, rather than having somebody in a machine for two weeks, let's say, uh, learning from your 40-year veteran uh, expert operator 
who can feel the dirt as opposed to only seeing it, that's a much heavier investment. So the the route we're going, besides the conversation that's going on about incentivizing employees to stay with, you know, different terms of employment and, and compensation and perks and all the other things that employers are using to keep young, new construction uh, workers in the, the workforce, I would say uh, the, the making your machines insensitive um, to that turnover as much as possible. I'd much rather, if I were an owner-operator, I'd much have, rather have an hour invested in teaching someone how to use machine control on a dozer as opposed to a week or two weeks invested with two employees trying to train someone who may leave in six months. Well, it sounds like, you know, there's a lot still to be done in the construction space. And and I'm kind of curious, just both of you, we've got just a couple minutes left. Richie, any thoughts on advice you would give the industry on what they need to be looking at? Because it sounds like the next year is still a really positive one. Absolutely. You know, technology is here to stay and it's it's evolving constantly. So the the, the key, I think, is to to really be intuitive with, with what you're putting out there in the marketplace. Uh, as Max mentioned, some someone that's uh, maybe just in the dozer for an hour with uh, with machine control and being so so intuitive and, and easy to, to navigate through, uh, the learning curve is is much smaller. Uh, it's greatly reduced. So by by having that, that, that's so much easier to operate, so much easier to get to grade, and without the frustration, uh, I think that's going to be key to, to having more success in the future. Max, any final thoughts from you? The only thing I would wrap up with is this upturn that we've been, I mean, we're at all-time industry highs. It's it's fantastic. Unfortunately, the work is outpacing the availability of a lot of uh, not only OEMs, but construction workers and uh, the amount of, it's just wonder. It's a wonderful time to be in the industry. My final goal and, and, and advice for anyone listening is I would love them to take advantage of that for as long as the foreseeable future allows I would also provide a little guidance as I've been through a couple of these cycles. Just keep an eye on the indicators. Invest properly for your business. Go all in as to the pace of what your business will allow in order to make the most money possible. But just be aware when when things soften, and, and they will in CE eventually. It could be 10 years. It could be five years. could be, you know, none of us know. But um, just be ready for adaptable uh, technology. So, do what's right to make the most amount of money possible, uh, but do what's right for the long-term longevity of your business as well, because we want these construction companies around for a long time. So um, we have lots of solutions. We want to help you grow your business and gain no return on investment. And we're looking forward to a lot of very positive years in the future here. Richie, Max, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Peggy. Absolutely. Thank you, Peggy. All right, there you heard it. Richie Snyder, Solutions Marketing Manager for Case Construction Equipment and Max Weinmiller, Director of Cases Road Building and Site Prep. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I hope you've enjoyed learning so much about the insights and how to move forward in your business. So that's the end of our show today. Join us next time. I'm your host, Peggy Smedley. And that's going to wrap up this edition of ConExpo ConAg Radio. If you like the show and think other people should listen too, make sure to subscribe and maybe leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with another great guest. Until that time, be sure to visit conexpoconag.com slash subscribe to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. 
More than 30,000 other construction industry pros are already receiving news and insights to move their business forward.